Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are on a mission to make a difference in the lives of others. We want to help people know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. It's a journey, and we're all walking it together. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. We're continuing a series today that we're calling the Daniel Dilemma because there's a guy named Daniel back 2,600 years ago that's facing exactly what we're going through today, and we're learning from his example. But for those of you who don't know me, my name's Cade, and I'm the lead pastor here at No Limits alongside my wife, Beth, up here on the front row. And here at No Limits, we're on a mission of making a difference in the lives of others. We want to help you know God. We want to help you find freedom, and we want to help you discover purpose. In other words, we want to help you live out that amazing life that God planned for you, and you have that plan before you were even born, and it's a good plan. But you don't get there overnight, and you don't, you don't get there by yourself. And so that's why we meet here together every Sunday. That's also why we get together throughout the week in our small groups. And the goal we're reaching for, we know where it's found, in Ephesians 3.20, which basically tells us that God wants to blow our minds with what he can accomplish through us. But we got to allow him full control. That's the condition. Let his power work in us. So that's what we're after. That's why we're called No Limits Church, y'all. So go ahead and look at whoever you're with right now and say, it's time. It's time to take limits off. All right, y'all, let's continue this series. Like I said, it turns out we currently face the same dilemma a man named Daniel faced 2,600 years ago. And Daniel was Jewish which means that he belonged to the people of God. And then back then, Jewish people were the only ones who had access to God. So if you would have lived back then, you would have been out of luck. But thank God Jesus came, and he adopted us into the family of God. Woo, man, that's worth celebrating right there. But since Daniel was Jewish, you would assume, ah, he must have been surrounded by the best people, doing the right things, following the word of God. But back when he lived, the Jewish people were, were drifting. And I would imagine it looked a lot like America looks like today. But Daniel was one of the few. He didn't give in to culture, even though his friends, his family, everybody around him was. He stood for the truth in the midst of all the compromise. And because everyone was drifting, things didn't turn out so well for the people of Israel. They actually ended up getting captured by King Nebuchadnezzar and taken to Babylon to serve him as captives. Sounds like a good time, right? We kicked off this series talking about how culture has an agenda for you. It wants to change your identity. It wants to compromise your standards. And then it wants to create a good old confrontation. And the problem is we don't handle that confrontation well as Christians. We take one extreme or the other. We either spew truth out of our mouths like it's some kind of toxic substance, or we just end up advocating for sin without even realizing that we're doing it. The thing is, we actually need grace and truth working together. We need to be compassionate towards those around us while standing firm in the truth of God's word. Y'all, it's possible to do both at the same time. And then in part two, we uncovered the root of all ungodly behavior. It's really simple. It's all rooted in one mindset. And once you're able to identify this mindset, you're going to be able to go in and impact culture without culture influencing you, which we all need to do. What is this one mindset? Y'all remember? Individualism. It's when you elevate yourself above others. It's when you elevate yourself above God. It's kind of like the American religion. Life has become all about what feels good to me, what's comfortable for me, what's convenient for me. Sounds like America, right? But we all walked away from individualism that week. Y'all remember that? And if you haven't yet, just go ahead and walk away from it. Just leave it on the ground. Mason will sweep it up later. (laughs) Right? And throw it in the dumpster. And then last week, we were reminded of the importance of love. And here's why. Without love, your life doesn't matter. Without love, this church doesn't matter. Love is that important. And if we want to be effective while we're sharing the truth in God's word, it all has to come from a motivation of love. 
The good news is the Bible's real clear about what love looks like, and you find it in 1 Corinthians 13. You can also go listen to the message from last week if you need a refresher on that. And I actually encourage you guys, go ahead and read 1 Corinthians 13, those first few verses, you know, every day until you get it, because you're going to be reading it till you die. All right. So at least you get in the Word every day, right? So now that we understand how important love is, we're ready to discover how to stand firm in the truth of God's Word. Oh, it's going to be good stuff. I'm not the one del- delivering the message today. It's actually Mr. Simon Ratcliffe, which is one of our small group, direct, small group leaders. You heard from him a few weeks ago. Simon, go ahead and come on up here. I'm going to pray over you. Lord, we thank you for this word that Simon has for us. We know that it's going to come from your word. It's going to be truth, and it's going to be powerful. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on. All right. Let's do this. I got something a little more solid to hit on up here. I truly uh, want to thank you for the, the privilege and the honor it is to be able to stand here and that you open up uh, the platform that I could speak on. And so uh, everybody stand to your feet and give God some glory and honor for these two right here. Yep. Our pastors, Pastor Cade and Pastor Beth, amazing work uh, that God is doing through them here at No Limits. Um, super pumped. Uh, my family's super pumped to be a part of it. Um, yeah. If you never went church shopping, you don't know what I'm talking about, but it is rough out there. Uh, we have Bible-believing Acts chapter 2, verse 8, believing churches that shut their doors to people because of viruses. We are a miracle-believing church. Jesus would have walked right up into the middle of Corona and said, no way, not today. Y'all know what I'm saying? That's the kind of God that I serve. And he's called us to take that similar stand, that very same stand. What is in the word is in our hearts. It's in our lives. We apply it. And by applying it, I mean, we live this thing out to its fullest, right? That's what Pastor Cade is constantly telling us that he's equipping us, you know, Ephesians 3.20, you know, that we're equipped, fully equipped, abounding in the work of Christ, that we are lacking nothing, that we are full, Right? That's the whole plan of God is that we don't walk around empty because empty vessels search for something to fill them. But if you are full of the most high God, if you are full and a temple of the Holy Ghost, you are overflowing and running out on the streets and the highways and the byways and ain't nothing coming in that don't belong. Right? Right? Come on, somebody. So before I get carried away, we're going to have to kill this little gadget here on the back of my head because I'm... Racking it up with the shirt. All right, here we go. This, see, you're already taking care of me. That's what's up. All right, I don't need these earpieces anyway. So how to stand firm. That's what we're going to talk about today. In the midst of a world full of compromise, how do we stand firm? How do we stand and how do we stand in love? How do we make our stand but then at the self-same time not hate? Not segregate. Come on. Yeah, y'all know. You see, the Bible teaches us not to be unequally yoked with the unbeliever in regards to marriage. Right? Let's take it easy on everybody else out there. If you ain't marrying them, you can hang out with them for a minute. If you're rooted and you know how to stand. Because I'm telling you, Jesus goes straight to the adulterous woman, sits down and says, hey, yo, woman. Some of y'all done been mad. Say, give me something to drink. 
She says, why do you ask me to give you the drink? I should be asking of you to give me the drink. Blah, 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 blah. You know, the same thing we would probably do is, I'm unworthy to give you water. But, <laughs> but it's a simple process. Y'all have been being taught this from the time you were little bitty by your mamas and daddies. Do what I say. Now, some parents will add, not what I do. We're not to be like that. We're to be examples, right? As chief, Christ is our chief example, that we follow after his footsteps, that we obey his word, that we're obedient unto him. But Pastor Cade's already mentioned 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 and 14, but we're going to read it again because I love how the Apostle Paul to the Corinthian church begins to spew on them. Right, He sows into their lives so that their lives will be radically changed by the power of God and those around them surrounding in Judea, Samaria, Galatia, other most parts of the world so that their lives could also be changed. Read Acts chapter 1 if you don't know what I'm talking about. But he says, watch out, watch ye, or be on your guard, if you will. Be ready at all times. Stand fast in the faith. I got to tell you something. You got to know where you stand. And if you're trying to win the loss for Jesus Christ, you cannot be on both sides of the fence, if you will. You have to be anchored and steadfast, nothing wavering as a tree in the book of Psalms, chapter 23, planted by rivers of living water that shall not be moved. Anchored in Jesus Christ. Anchored in that faith. What faith? The faith that was delivered unto the saints of God. The faith that was delivered unto the apostles. What is this faith? In Jesus Christ, Paul said, and him crucified. Living by power in the Son of God. That, that's where I make my stay. That's where I stand. But he says, watch out. Be on guard. Because, well, in the King James, which I absolutely love, we ain't going to get into all this good stuff. But, uh, but in the King James, it says, quit you like men. And man, an English teacher would eat that up. And that's okay because I'm redneck and countrified. So I know what this means. He's saying, I want you to stop acting like fleshly men and worldly men. He quoted 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 9, where he says, quit you like men. Stand on your guard and fight. I better back up. I just spit on my son, I think. <laughs> But he's calling us to, and some Christians are like, oh, Jesus secured the victory and we don't have to fight nothing no more. We don't have to fight. We don't have to make war. We wrestle not against, what do you call wrestling? That stuff was real when I was little. But if you shift over into the MMA, that's real, real. Right? That's real. Real men, real fight. Yeah. Well, our adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion, roaming about seeking whom he may devour. He's looking. He is not a lion. Huh? We have the lion on our side. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? The lion of the tribe of Judah? Ooh. Yeah, well, we got an anchor, right? We know how to stand and where we stand from. You see, I'm a big talker, and I'm a big smack talker because I know my God. He's got my rear guard. The rear guard in the King James in the Hebrew means the army at the back. I don't have to turn and run. Because my daddy's standing over me saying, son, get them, sick them. I got your back, baby. Get them, go on. You know, that's just, why, that's just how I think now. Now, I ain't worried about none of my other people out there and none of all these other people that don't like me. It's all good. I don't care. God loves some assignment. So. So he tells you to quit you like men, and I want you to be strong. I want you to stand on your guard. I want you to be ready. And he says, let all things be done with charity, love. Love suffereth long. 
Love is not puffed up. Love is not envious. Y'all still with me? Love is not self-serving. Love is not perverted. Love is real. As a matter of fact, if you read the book of 1 John, you're going to find out that God is love. Love is God. If you think you're loving right, you better get to know God. Because once you know God, your wife is going to love you. But until you love God and understand and receive his love, you will not love your woman, not your wife. You will not my wife. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you will not love your wife and you will not love your husband as you ought to love them. And after 13 years of marriage, I'm figuring out how to love my wife. And to be honest, I like the way she look at me. Huh? I've been working on something for 13 years that I need y'all's prayer with too. It's been a struggle. It's been a constant battle. I've been married for 13, but I just cannot, cannot get over something that I've struggled with. Even after high school, I cannot grow a man beard like Cade. <laughs> it is a constant struggle. I'm one of them patchy dudes that thinks he's got a beard. No, I'm just kidding. I don't I'm just kidding. <laughs> I ain't envious, but man, that thing's flowing, dude. I like it. I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> But he's telling us to let everything we do, right? Let's get back. Let's get back to Jesus. <laughs> everything we do to do in love and admiration. And matter of fact, Jesus put it like this. Anything you set your hands to do, do it as unto the Lord. Let's do it for his honor, for his glory. Not to be seen of men, but so that they see our good work. And what? Glorify our Father which is in heaven. But we got to get on a roll. I got two pages and a pamphlet somewhere. I dropped it. I don't know. All right. Here we go. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Daniel, chapter 3, verse 1 through 7. I uh, should have told Pastor Kay that he could have went ahead and printed off his little pamphlet thingy. Those things are cool. Uh, those are pretty neat deals. But Daniel, chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. If you all got that up there in a minute, and if you don't, then get your Bibles and hopefully your smarty gadgets and you'll be with me. <laughs> King James Version. <laughs> if you ever ask, you'll know. Here it goes. Nebuchadnezzar, the king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth was six cubits. And he set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, sent together, together, sent together, together, the princes, the governors, and the captains, and the judges, and the treasurers, and the counselors, and the provinces to come, and all the rulers and sheriffs and province to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Say man-made. All right. Then the princes, the governors, and captains, and the judges, and the treasurers, and all those counselors and sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together unto the dedication of the image of Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Say man-made. Man established. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Say, celebrate. Then in herald cried aloud to you, it is commanded, O people, say law. Nations and languages that at what time you hear the sound, say sound, of the cornet, flute, harp, sack, buck, salt, street, dulcimer, and all kinds of music. Another translation says zither. I don't know what that is. It's another wind instrument, I think. You zither it on out. I don't know. But that at what time you hear all these instruments, all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image of Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Say decreed. 
And whoso falleth not down and worship shall the same hour be cast in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. A punishment. Therefore, at the time when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, black, suck, butt, sack, I don't know, harp, sack, butt, my bad, harp, sack, butt, sawstry, and all kinds of music, all the people, say oh, everybody, fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set. Say trendsetters. Mm-hmm. So there's a few things you got to get out of all this. First off, that the world's way is not, it is not the right way. The world's way is not the right way. Well, listen here. Nebu- okay, for the sake of time, we're going to go Nebo, right? It's a long word, right? Nebo. Nebo erected, built, and promoted something and made a big deal out of it. They celebrated it, remember? They celebrated as important or as a victory. Love wins. Y'all catching all this? Yeah, you can hate me. It's all right. It's all good. But God's love and he loves me. Right? Roe versus Wade. Mm, Celebrated as a huge win. They cried with one voice, save us. And another voice, it's our choice. You see, the world's way is not the right way. The word way is the right way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was? Thank you. Then the word became flesh and dwelt among us, right? Verse 2. Yeah. What's up? Good stuff. So they celebrated as important or as a victory. It made a big deal out of it, and they're like, hey, look, this is something that sounds good. Say sound. Say images. It's two areas that the devil's going to work in your life from the day that you are born until the day that you die. Sounds and images. Dolls. Mm, come on. They coo and all. They have places that they don't need places on a doll. Y'all remember us whenever we had Barbies and Kens and Army guys? They didn't have all those extra things. You know, they had clothes on. Right? You see, if I was the enemy, I would dilute and pervert the word of God so much. And I would, I would do it over time to the point that you did not see it coming, that you would be deceived because that's how I work. Right? Started in the garden. That's how it went. He even deceived his own self. That's how good at deception he is. He looked and he saw God and he's up there leading worship and choir and be like, Woo, thank you, Jesus. And he's like, wait a minute. That feels good. We're alike. Y'all worship me. Not him. Y'all worship me. Then he, yeah, then he fell. You read Revelations, you're going to know what I'm talking about. But again, he worked on deception, sounds, and noises. They created law in regards to following their agenda. They created a law saying, this is what is good. This is what is right. This is what we should do. This is what I decree. So he got a herald, and he got up there. Y'all know who heralds are? You know, hark the herald. A herald is somebody that delivers a word. Delivers a decree in the king's court, if you will, in the presence of all the people. The king doesn't even get up there and say nothing, but he stands as the king. Guess who Jesus is? He's a messenger of the most high God. Guess who you are? You are a child and an heir and a joint in all things in Christ. You are a messenger of God. So how are you talking? Okay. It all depends where you stand, right? And everybody out there on the Facebook, that's an inside joke. It's Facebook. I know what it is. Instagram, Twitter. Podcast, all that good stuff. Y'all stay with me for a minute. Don't be hating too hard. But they created a noise about it. They were loud 
and proud. Y'all heard that lately over the last four years in the news? Loud and proud. They were boastful. And they penalize anybody that opposes their belief. You see, the beauty about me being a Christian, I don't have to make you believe nothing. And here's why. And I've learned this over the years, and I'm finally coming into this thing where I have a better understanding. I don't have to make you believe in God. All I got to do is say the right word in love, and then that measure of faith enough to believe God that God put on the inside of you. It's up to God from there. I just got to be obedient with my mouth and my tongue, huh? doing it in love because I care for them. I don't have to. Oh, I'm going to jump ahead, but I've got to get this out, Cade. I, and I visited with Cade and Chris about this this week. I finally realized that I don't have to oppose anything. I just have to learn to make my stand. Now, y'all stay with me because some of us are so geared to the def- great defenders. You know, we're, we were born to defend and fight. We were born to make war, if you will. But I don't have to stand against abortion. I have to stand for life. Y'all, y'all still with me? Now, now, I will vocally express the word of God and the truth of the word over abortion. I will. But I'm learning that I don't have to do it from a place of opposition. I do it from a place of truth. And grace. Y'all have heard that. Truth and love over the last three weeks. I watched the messages. I know. (laughs) So they penalize people for not believing like they do. That oppose their way. And here's something that the enemy's going to do. He's going to use images, sounds to influence, indoctrinate, to pervert your children. And in the school systems, he's going to use indoctrination of textbooks. They're they're taking out... uh, Men are doomed to repeat history if they do not know and remember history. They're taking out the traditional history and teaching new age history. I don't even know how you get new age history. History is history. History is past events that has happened. Prophecy is things that's to come. And let me tell you what's coming in the book of Revelation. Some of you ain't ready for And if you're a child of the most high God, you ain't got to worry about it. Read First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians. Okay, I better quit. But he will indoctrinate you. Already on Netflix, children's cartoons. Yeah, that's right, Netflix. Mr. George Soros, come on. Yeah, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> Woo, it's good. Hey, check it out. Cartoons where boys love boys. You can't even use that word if you understand the word of God because it's not. It's perverted. It's phileo, if you will. Not even pure phileo. It's perverted phileo. Right? Brotherly love. Again, cartoons were girls like girls, boys like boys. Not just like, but they, yeah, you know, they really like, you know. Like, like I love my wife. They, they think that that's what that is, and it's not. Right? It's, it's a natural affection, if you will. See, I, I've learned not to only love my wife because of all that she is. <laughs> but I love my wife because of who she is. And who God's called her to be, who God created her to be, what she is to me. Not what she gives to me, but what she is, right? What she already is before I met her. I'm starting, yeah, I'm, I'm getting it, baby, I'm getting it. 
So there's three things that I want you to take from this passage. Although the world's way may be decreed as the right way, it is still the wrong way. You have to know how to stand. You standing firm in this matter takes courage. These are all the points that we're going to make because I ain't going to do this thing injustice by, by not telling you some points that you can take home. Standing firm takes courage. In Daniel chapter 3, verse 16, Chad, Mesh, and Abe, that's right. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We're going to use those names. Tell Nebo, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. What matter? The matter of that these guys chose to take courage and not bow down before their God at the sound of the flute and all the music. They chose to make a stand in their faith, and they looked up to the king. They answered the king directly, which is a no, no. Right? You speak to the king without a request to be spoken to, you're beheaded. Poof, you're gone. You're murdered. It's over. You've disrespected the king and his kingdom, and you're out. But they said, we are not careful. That's the King James Version, but I'm going to break it down for you in the Hebrew. This means that from a place of confidence that they answered directly. They didn't beat around the bush. They didn't hate on Nebo. They just said, hey, they look at each other and said, Hey, we're not careful to answer you in this matter. We're confident in what we're about to speak. So listen up, boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were country. Y'all didn't know it. They had a confidence in their faith and in the ability of their God. But I do want to make a statement, and we're going to get into it. And it's the next one, that standing firm takes faith. It moves from courage into faith. You got to take courage and then you got to walk in that courage in faith, believing in what you stand in courage in that He is able to deliver thee. That's that old hymnal. Some of y'all probably don't know it. It's okay. It's okay. It's a good one. <laughs> it's a good song. But He's able. His hand is not short. In the book of Isaiah, it says that it cannot save. His ear is not heavy that he cannot hear. You see, he knows what you have need of. He knows what you're facing today. He knows what you're going through at home. He knows and he is able. Take courage. Take faith. And in Daniel chapter 3, verse 17 through 18, this is what we see. And this is why I say I think they moved from a place of courage is not the absence of fear it's fear under control, if you will, right? They are not afraid. They know the doom that is ahead of them. They know what is coming. They've seen the flaming, fiery furnace. They know it's there. They heard the law go out, right? Come on. They wasn't ignorant of what was supposed to be done according to the world's way. They knew. But here we find them saying that we're going to stand, we're going to take courage, we don't, we're, we're confident in our faith, in our God, and this is how we know this. In verse 17 it says, our God whom we serve, our God who we serve is able to deliver us. That's future tense, right? He's able to do it. But watch this. This is good stuff. This is like uh, say law, praise break moments, right? He is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. So courage to faith, but here is where faith is applied. He will deliver us. That's the declaration. You see, the will in the Hebrew is another word that's contractual. It means that it is signed and agreed upon and can't no party except by death part from it. Y'all still with me? 
It's called a covenant. The Old Covenant, Old Testament, New Covenant, New Testament. It is a covenant agreement that no matter what, I will give my life for you and I will, nope, oh, I'm about to say it, I will take my life before I go back on my word. That's what he's saying. He said, I know that my God, he will do it. He will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. In 1 John 5, 14 through 15, this was written thousands of years later, but John knew about it, and this is what it is. This is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we have the desires that we ask of him. That's confidence. This is the confidence. This is courage into faith. It's confidence knowing full well that God is able. And you see, by doing this, an entire nation was shifted and changed. By choosing to stand up for what is right. Standing firm inspires others. In Daniel chapter 3, verse 28 through 30, I'm just going to say it like this, that wishy-washy faith is just unbelief. What you do in that moment of wishy-washiness defines what you believe. In Mark 9, 24, there was a man that had a sick son, and he was struggling a little bit with his faith. And Jesus looked at him and said, if thou canst believe God. Okay, if you can believe God, he will heal you. He will heal your son. And this is the man's response. I believe, but help thou my unbelief. He says, I believe you at your word, but help me where I don't. Help me where I don't believe. He knows he's able, but he wants it in the natural. You see, there's kind of a reverse of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They had a, he will do it. He's able. And then to he will do it. So flesh to faith. This guy had faith the flesh. He's saying, I know it's your word. It'll be done. But help me with what I can see. Help me in this natural to see it come to pass. Help me not waver in faith. Help me not waver in what I believe. Right? Help me understand. Help me in this natural body, in this carnal mind, when I look upon my six. You know what? He didn't even have to see it. He went back and he was healed. Why? Because God helped his unbelief. God will help you in the midst of your unbelief. In the midst of your doubt, doubt is not wrong. It's natural. It's only wrong when it dilutes your faith. And whenever you go back on what you know is truth. You see, some of you may not like this, but I'm going to say it like this. You need to believe the word of God in absolute. It is without error from beginning to end. There is no change. If you understand that from the Old Testament, it's Old Covenant into New Testament, there is no, quote, confusion. And here's why. Because God is not that author of confusion. The enemy is. Deceit and confusion. God brings to light truth. The Holy Spirit, yep, if you ain't got it, you need it. Y'all listened last night to the prayer thing? I was on the football field listening. It was great. <laughs> so, you have to stand on the word. Stand on the word. Standing in faith takes courage. Standing in firm takes faith. Standing firm inspires others. In Daniel chapter 3, verse 28 through 30, what we find, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to read it because we've got like three more points to make. And I don't even know what time it is. I told him I'd, I'd oh, snap. 
All right, real quick, okay? So this is what happens. They do not do what they were told to do, right? And as they're in this fiery furnace, they, look, check it out. God didn't just miraculously swoop down and say, ha, can't have them, Nebo, ha, ha. No, they went into the fiery furnace. They were, matter of fact, they were thrown in to the fiery furnace. But what happens next, you know, I kind of like to think that Nebo's heart was a little bit broke because Daniel and them, they were pretty cool cats. Right? They had visions and dreams and all this other stuff. But as all this stuff is playing out, he's looking over, if you will, the balcony and looking down into the fire. And this is what he sees. He says, hold up. He said, hey, Harold, did we not? Um, that's Harold, you know, the guy that was out there giving the messages. That's his new name, Harold. I only know one other Harold. But he says, Harold, hey, hey did we not throw three dudes up in that fire? Oh, yeah, 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 we did. Yeah. Why? He said, look, behold, there's a fourth man. Oh, y'all get this. This is prophecy. And he's like unto the Son of Man. He is the Son of God. Hmm. Whom is able to deliver us from thy hand, O king. Not just Nebo saw it, but everybody saw it. And then we find out that, ha, people's lives are radically changed. If you take a stand on the word of God and on faith, it will inspire others to believe. But if you're wishy-washy, they will turn and be confused. But if you let God move through you, I'm here to tell you that you will stand and others will believe. They will know the truth and the truth will set them free. How to stand firm in a world of compromise. Number one, you stand in prayer. Get this. Stand in prayer. Y'all have been through 21 awesome days of this stuff that you already should know that you stand in prayer by standing on the word in prayer, that you speak the word over your life audibly so that you know it and understand it and it applies and the spirit goes, woo, I like it. Yeah, Ric Flair, woo, you know, all those good things. But in Ephesians 6, 11, it tells us to put on the whole armor of God. We're going to do this rapid. Y'all ready? Like a bid caller. Let's go. Ephesians 6, 11, my heart says, Mm-mm. put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, the tricks, the trickery, the deceit, the, 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 bring it in. All right. Y'all have to understand this. We don't just fight from a defensive position, but we fight from an offensive position. It's a two-way battle. We've been given one offensive sword according to the word in the Greek, and that was the sword of the spirit, which is the word of a living God. I want you to know that. You got to know the word. If you know the word, the Lord will deliver you. And you can stand on that. And you can move mountains. Well, say unto this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. Book of Matthew, Ephesians 6, 13 through 14. But you can use that shield as a weapon too. Knock the enemy back. Stand in your faith. It goes on and it says that in Ephesians 6, 13 through 14, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Don't just take a knowledge of salvation. Oh, yes, I'm saved. If I die, I go to heaven. Great. That's cool, but God saved you for now and for this life as well. That while you walk through it, others see it. He didn't call you to gloom and doom. He called you to live a life of holiness, right? He called you to live a life of faith, moving mountains, seeing lives radically changed by the power of God. He didn't call you just to come to church and be like, oh, that was great. Right? He's called us to make a stand. He's called us to stand firm in our faith. He's called us to move mountains and to subdue kingdoms. And everywhere our feet shall trot, according to Abraham, shall be a mind for an inheritance. I mean, come on. He's done it for us, right? You have to stand in prayer with the word of God and the knowledge of who he is for you. 
and that he is for you and not against you. And that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Number two, stand for my purpose. First Corinthians 15, 58 says that, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, unchanging, anchored, whole, lacking nothing, built up in your most holy faith, not wavering, but not doubting, but hey, standing on the holy ground. Don't move. Be anchored. Always doing whatever it is that God's called you to do. Abounding in the work of the Lord, King James says, right? Abounding for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain. And your labor is not going to return void. You may not see the reaping of the harvest, but your seed is in dead soil. And thank God that it's in something dead because if it was alive, it can't grow. Yeah, seed first fall on the ground and die. That's Old Testament stuff there, buddy. Number three, stand for God. Stand for God and his truth, which is Jesus. Matthew 10, 32, whosoever therefore shall confess me, admit or declare me before men, stand up for my name. Him will I stand before my Father in heaven and confess his name and give him honor and my glory and my cloak shall be upon him and my righteousness shall be upon him. And every time they see my son, they will see God. Yep. Come on. Corinthians 3.12, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. You see, all this is temporal. But man, we can have a heyday with Jesus and the lost if we just do what he said. Be obedient. Get out of your comfort. Get out of your natural and start walking in the supernatural. Start walking in faith, believing God at his word and standing on it as truth. Christ sits on the right hand of God. So set your affections, your cares, and your concerns on things above, not on things on this earth. Right? I'm not worried about what the world does. I'm worried about what the bride of Christ does within the world. I'm worried about what I do as a child of the Most High God in the presence of the lost and dying world. That's what we should be concerned about. Acts 7, 55 to 56, last one. Here we go. This is power prophecy. But he being full of the Holy Ghost, whenever Stephen was being stoned, he looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. When you stand, Jesus stands with you. When you make a stand, Jesus stands with you. You're not alone. And he sees him standing on the right hand of God and he said, Behold, I see all men in front of everybody that crucified him, that stoning Stephen. Paul was present, y'all, Saul. He was there. Man, one of the greatest missionaries in the New Testament. Written most of the New Testament Bible, right? I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. They said he is merely a man. Let's crucify him. He is not the Son of God. He confesses to be the Son of God, but he is not. But at the right hand of God in heaven, with it open, Stephen sees, and he declares to them, Yo, I see the one you crucified. And then he gave up the ghost and went to be with Jesus. But besides all that, hey, let's not go there yet. Look, whether by life or by death, God's going to receive glory in this body. You need to have that kind of assurance and faith that it doesn't matter if they throw me in the fire. It doesn't matter if I get tried and crucified. It doesn't matter. What matters is, is do they know and have they heard about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Do they know him 
as we know him. Do you think it's be, be wrong for me to go to the grave and not tell somebody about Jesus? Of course you do, because y'all's all saints. But some people could care less. Because we live in a selfish society full of compromise. But if you stand on the word of God, if you stand for truth, I want you to understand you do not stand alone. You do not stand alone. So stand up, stand firm, hold fast, lay hold, don't let go. The only time you're allowed to let go is right here. Let go and let God. That's it. Pastor Cade. Good word, man. You're going to probably have to give me some gain. I don't got that. Preaching, boys. <laughs> hey, Ethan, will you pull up Psalm 34, 19? This scripture is going to build somebody's faith today. But I forgot to tell you, Simon, that whenever you go over, you have to be in kids' ministry next week. So <laughs> give them a break. <laughs> or at least apologize to him. Go give him a big hug, right? All right. You got it, man? Psalm 34, 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but... The Lord delivers him out of them. Oh, let that encourage you. Let it build your faith. That's good stuff. Awesome. Well, if you haven't accepted Jesus into your heart and you're like, man, I got to be part of this. We want you to be part of it too. And it all starts by a simple decision that you make in your heart. You say, Jesus, I want to follow you. And that's the salvation decision right there. And if you make that decision today, we want to help you on the journey that's ahead because you shouldn't do it alone. And, but we can't help you if we don't know, so we've set up an easy way for you to tell us. Simply text the word JESUS to 918-373-9883. Awesome. Well, we've been supporting a ministry in Mexico for several years now. And uh, a few months ago, I was moved with compassion whenever I was reading an email that Ben had sent about their struggle with transportation. They seem to always have a vehicle breaking down, and then they spend the entire day in the mechanic shop instead of out spreading the gospel. Of course, they make the most of it and spread the gospel with the mechanic shop and lead them to Jesus. I mean, it's the coolest stories ever. But whenever I read this email, I was like, it's time for that to stop. It's time for it to stop. So I called up Coonrod, which is our drummer here. His real name's John, in case you didn't know. But he's also, he oversees our connection with Mexico. He leads our mission trips over there. And I asked him, John, how much does it cost to buy a vehicle over in Mexico? He said, about $15,000 for a good used one. Said, all right. So we kind of end the conversation. This was about two months ago, agreeing that we would just pray together and see, God, how can you move to, to where we can bring these resources together and bless the people of Mexico with a new vehicle? About a month later, the Lord started speaking to my heart and he said, Cade, why doesn't No Limits just do that? Y'all have the resources. Just go out and do it. Well, that's a pretty big sum of money, so I wanted to ask the board first for their approval, so I waited till the next board meeting, which was this past week, but get this, a week before that, somebody approached me and said, Cade, in church today, the Lord moved on my heart and said I needed to give $5,000 to Mexico. They had no idea that this was in the works behind the scenes. The very same day that I got that notification about the $5,000, I got an email from Ben, the missionary over there, finally asking for, he's like, all right, guys, it's time. We need a new vehicle. I need you guys to pray with me and believe that we'll get this new vehicle. He, ben had talked about the problems with the vehicles, but he never directly asked. But that day that the $5,000 came in, he actually came out and asked, sent an email out to all of his supporters. I'm going to let the, the story finish on a video that we're going to play, and this is a Zoom call that we recorded a few days ago with Ben. God 
God placed a burden on Cade's heart uh, about just the overall transportation woes that you guys face almost every day down there with the rough roads <laughs> and everything else. Um, God spoke to Cade the other day and he said, uh, just buy him a truck. What? And so, yeah. So last night at the board meeting, um, Cade approved 13300 U.S. dollars to send to you guys towards uh, a new vehicle so that y'all can get on your feet, man, and do what you need to be doing. Don't cry, man. You're going to, I'm already tearing up. Stop it. <laughs> okay. But um, all glory to God, Ben. You guys, listen, Deanna, the kids, um, y'all are such a blessing to No Limits. And the stories that we get to share, um, Cade, you know, I give him so much praise because he does not stop talking about the, the, the mission work that you guys do down there. He, he talks about the souls that are saved and the healings. Um, the constant candles you guys are lighting in all the different areas and just spreading God's word and uh, the great works. And so know that your faithfulness, your diligence to keep um, keep keep out alive the the good things you're doing down there has has not fallen on deaf ears. The people of No Limits have heard. God has heard. I'm, uh, I, I don't really have a lot of words to say now because I'm just uh, speechless and, and gratitude. And uh, all I can say right now is Cristo vive. And you guys yeah. are really, <laughs> you guys are part of every place that, you guys are part of every place we go to, you know? You're there with us in spirit in every place that the, the kingdom is. <laughs> Hallelujah. That the, the gospel is getting to, you're there right there with us, uh, boots on the ground. Vehicle on, the, uh, vehicle on the road. Right, right. Vehicle on the road. Amen. Well, give God praise for his perfect timing. Yeah. It's really cool. The reason we decided to send 13300 is because there was a truck that he found that cost that much, and so we were going to buy it for him because that's the truck that he wanted. It got taken up, so it turns out he's actually going to get a brand new truck now because another church partnered with us to, to make up that difference there. So... <laughs> That's the kingdom of God at work. And I love that Ben told you guys that you're there with him, because I tell you that all the time, but it doesn't, it doesn't sound the same coming from me as it did from him. Know that through your giving, you're part of what's going on in Mexico. And you say, okay, I've never given to the Mexico line item. It doesn't matter, because your faithful giving and your tithes and offerings is what enables, enables us to be this generous. I mean, this is coming out of the surplus of what you guys give. It was sitting there. It was ready for the need to be met. So... Thank you all so much for your giving. If you want to give today and you're giving by cash or check, just raise your hand for an offering envelope. One of our ushers will bring that to you. Or you can give anytime online using debit credit card. Um, and you do that by going to nolimits.fyi, kind of like nolimits.com. You just put .fyi instead. Then you'll find a big giving button there. You just tap that giving button and you can get it all set up and ready to go. Thank you so much for joining us. And a special thanks to those that give in to our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And if you were encouraged by this podcast, then hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.